Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading in the Gospel of Luke. You may be seated. We begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to know that you are a Father who is gracious, who welcomes the sinner home and provides a celebration in their honor. Lord, we thank you that we are those forgiven sinners, that you have called us into your presence. And we pray, Lord, that you would now teach us what it means to enjoy your grace and never to despise it. Grant us your Holy Spirit and guide us as we hear this word. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we are uh, encountering probably what is Jesus' most popular parable. Now, traditionally, uh, we call this the parable of the prodigal son. And actually, the parable could go by any number of names, but we tend to call it the prodigal son uh, because we like to focus in on that younger brother. We love that account of that young man who sort of wrecks his life in reckless living and comes home full of shame and sorrow only to be embraced in the gracious arms of his father. And we love that part of the story because we kind of see ourselves in that story. It sounds a little bit like college to some of us. And we want to think, you know, that I can come home and there's going to be grace for me there. And this is exactly what we have with our Father in heaven. And we love this. We love to know that we have a God whose grace outshines his justice, who shows more mercy than we deserve. I mean, this is the good news of the gospel, isn't it? That you, no matter how deep, no matter how dark, no matter how shameful your sins are, you are forgiven for the sake of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. We love that part of the parable. The problem is, if we call it the parable of the prodigal son, we're missing that there's a whole lot more going on in the parable. Some folks call it the parable of the two lost sons. Because not only is the younger brother lost, but as we encounter the parable and we study it, what we find is that the older brother is lost as well. He's just as removed from the presence of his father as the younger brother is, only in an entirely different way. Where the younger brother blows the relationship on licentious and sinful living, the older brother, he ruins it, you know, with his pride and his self-righteousness and his religiosity. Jesus is looking directly at the Pharisees and the religious people as he tells of the older brother who refuses to go in and enjoy the party and celebrating with his forgiven younger brother. Here is someone who despises grace and forgiveness. And needs the Father's forgiveness just as much. So some people call it the parable of the two lost brothers. But I think that if we really want to get at the heart and the meat of this parable, it should be called something like this. The parable of the recklessly gracious Father. Because this Father shows grace to people who simply do not deserve it and in ways that are somewhat shocking and even to a point offensive to our sensibilities. This is a recklessly gracious Father who forgives sins of all kinds. No matter how messy or clean your sins are, the Father shows you mercy. The Father welcomes you home. The Father throws a party. So the parable of the recklessly gracious Father. But as I was looking at the parable this week, it struck me. You know, there's one character in the parable we never really focus on. There's one character in this parable who we never really hear very much about. And that, of course, is the servant messenger, right? 
the servant messenger. You know who I'm talking about, right? Uh, when the older brother comes out and he hears the party and the singing and the dancing and the revelry, he comes to a man and says, what's going on? And the guy tells him, there's a party being thrown for your brother. We never hear about that guy until this week. I found a fictional letter written by the fictional character to his fictional family about what went on in the parable. And so what we're going to do this morning, if you will indulge me, is we will hear his account of what went on in the account of the two lost brothers and the gracious father. And so his letter goes something like this. Dear mom and dad, thank you for the care package. I have been missing homemade cookies for quite some time, so I really needed those. Thank you. I've got to tell you, things are going very well here at work. Coming to work for what we call affectionately the Father's house has been wonderful and surprising, to say the least. The owner of the house here has told us to refer to him as Father, and he seems to care for every single one of us a great deal. Now, we have had some interesting things go on here over the last year. Uh, there was a point at which the father put his oldest son in charge of us, and that was a little tough. He's a bit of a bear, not afraid to load extra and, uh, extra and unnecessary burdens on our backs. But he says if we want to be welcome in this house, we have to work and prove ourselves. I'd never heard the father talk that way, but this son doesn't look a whole lot like his father. In fact, I don't think I've ever told you the story of how he came to be in charge and really all the events that went on around that. But it's quite a story. So last year, the younger brother in the house had enough of living here. He wanted to get, on a, get out on his own, but he felt constrained. So in a rather uh, insulting act of rebellion, to say the least, he told the father he wished he were dead because then he could get his inheritance and he could go out on his own. And he wasn't just talking. He was making a demand. Drop dead and give me my money, old man. Well, the shocking part of the whole thing was the father consented. I mean, can you believe it? He actually did it. No father in their right mind ever does something like this. I've never seen a father act that way before, but he just graciously gave him what he had coming and let him go off and do whatever he wanted with it. What's crazy that the father treated the older brother in the same way. He gave the older brother his inheritance too. And that's how he came to be in charge over us. Well, as uh, the time went on, the next day, the little brother went off. He went to Vegas, and he milked Vegas for all it was worth. We got word back that he had lived pretty hard and pretty fast. And I mean fast. Within a week, he'd blown the whole inheritance. The whole thing. We started to get word back about what was happening to him over the next number of months. Rumors started floating around here that he was working, if you can believe it, on a pig farm. But being that he was lazy and never worked a whole day in his life, he was given the worst job of all. He had to go out and work with the pigs. We heard he had to sleep with the pigs and actually was fighting them for their own food. How ridiculous. Now, you'd think that the father would sulk around in shame over this whole thing but he didn't at all. Instead, every day, he stood out on the porch outside his room, watching the road, waiting for the sun to return. I mean, every day, waiting and watching, watching and waiting. 
You know me, I like to get up early and go out to work in the fields to get out before uh, the heat of the day. And every morning I would wake up and ensure as the sun had risen, I would see the Father standing, staring down the road, watching and waiting. Well, this is where the story gets good. One morning I'm walking out with my coffee to the field and I see something shoot by me in a flash. I thought it was some kind of animal with the speed at which it was going, but when I turned around to look at the porch, the father wasn't there. It was actually the father running gangbusters down the road. I figured it might be worth getting in a little bit of trouble to see what was going on here, so I followed him. At this point, he was making a bit of a commotion, making a scene of himself. Everybody was coming out of their homes to see the commotion. And the father, bringing shame upon himself, suddenly embraced somebody in the middle of the street. And it was his son, covered in pig slop and shame. Everyone was snickering and mocking at this point. You could say the father was covered in the shame of the son as well, also the pig slop. But before a word was even spoken between the two of them, the father had that son in his embrace. I'd never seen anything like it. As the father let go, he kept bracing the shoulders of his son, looking at him with joy and tears in his eyes. And I heard the son mumble out some words, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. It looked like he had more to say, but being so overwhelmed by the joy in his father's face, he was stopped short. The father, however, true to form, gave no mind to what the son thought he was worthy to be called. See, with this father, worthiness is never something earned, yet it's always something given. He tells all of us that in the house. It gives us a strange sort of freedom. Well, as he's celebrating and weeping and laughing all at the same time, he looks out of the corner of his tear-filled eyes and he sees me and some of my fellow servants and he says, oh, hey guys, good, it's you. Listen, go get the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. Very often you can hear the Father telling us that there's nothing worth celebrating more than a resurrection. And so we celebrated because this dead son was alive again. Man, did we celebrate. The fattened calf was the biggest calf we had. It was a real sacrifice to offer that one calf for all of us. And when I say all of us, I mean all of us. The Father wanted everybody in the town at that party. He was inviting people from the highways and the byways. He had his son there, and he was treating him like royalty. It was hard to believe that someone could be so gracious towards one who had sinned so gravely against him. And yet, that's the way it is with this father. It doesn't matter how deep or dark or shameful or foolish or reckless your sins are with this guy. He just wants you in the house for the party. He just wants to celebrate with you. I mean, this father is nothing if he isn't shocking in his grace. Who couldn't love this guy? Well, as I said, the father wanted everybody in at the party, but there's more to the story because just because the father wanted them there doesn't mean everybody came. And so the father, at one point in the evening, was running out of wine. 
And so he sent me out to get a few more bottles. And as I was coming back with all those bottles, I ran into the older brother. He was coming in from the fields, and he was nice enough, being that I didn't go to work that day. Seeing that I wasn't in the field and had a few bottles with me, he still smiled and was a little confused. And he just kind of wanted to know what all the commotion was. I told him the good news, that his brother was home again, that the fattened calf had been slaughtered, and that the party was a riot. And his complexion changed, and not in a good way. He stormed off, refusing to go in. I finished my duty, and I went inside with the bottles of wine and started lining them up, and the father came over to me, and I told him what had happened. He asked me where the older brother was, and I said I didn't know probably pouting up in his room, plotting how he's going to punish all of us for the fun we're having at this party and judging each and every one of us. I thought that was kind of funny. The father, on the other hand, well, he shot out the door again. I mean, he, he actually got out of the room almost as fast as he did with the youngest brother. In fact, the father went to the older brother and really the same way he went to the younger brother. He wanted the older brother to come in and enjoy the party with his younger brother. And I know this, that older brother wasn't thrilled at all. He probably felt like he deserved more. He'd worked harder. He'd given that father every day of his life, he would say. He'd done everything the right way. But you know what I think? I don't think that older brother ever loved his father one bit. He had his father with him the whole time, and he never enjoyed him. The father wanted to give him everything. The father did give him everything. The older brother never had any fun with him. Instead of enjoying the gift, he acted like he had to earn what was given. He viewed his father more as a tyrant to be appeased than a father to have fun with and to love. He simply couldn't appreciate grace and generosity shown to anybody, let alone himself. It probably drove him nuts that he was treated in the same way as his rebellious little brother. I don't know now, actually, if that older brother ever came into the party. In fact, we haven't seen him for a few weeks now. We're not sure he really wants to be around us much anymore. But boy, I have to tell you, did we have fun with that father. As we sat around the table and he gave us food and drink, saying, take, eat this, take and drink that. It's a meal I've prepared for you. I mean, listen, that was a good party. There is no one like this father. Anyhow, I hope you are well. I hope you guys come to visit soon. And by the way, when you come, tell Jimmy to come too. And tell him not to worry about paying me back the money he owes me. I'm not even worried about that debt anymore. You know, seeing the way the father lives around here, there's just something kind of contagious about him. From your father's house, your son. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that you have thrown a party and that you invited each of us to be a part of this party to celebrate, enjoy the gifts that you have given to us. Lord, we pray that when we act like the older brother and are obstinate and judgmental and refuse to enjoy your grace, that you would forgive us. And we thank you that when we act this way, you continue to reach out to us. Lord, may we know your grace and celebrate your joy for all of eternity. We thank you for this for Christ's sake. Amen.